Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. It's good to be with you this morning. We have been on a journey uh, here at Grace Harvest Church for the summer uh, through the book of Galatians. How many of you guys have been blessed by it? Just a walk through, some of you. And um, our desire was to encourage you with the overall theme of keeping step, right? Like the idea that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the churches in Galatia, um, challenging them about adhering to another gospel, which the Apostle Paul says is no gospel at all, was not freedom, but more enslavement. And so we continue journey through. Uh, how many of you guys have been blessed with Pastor Drew and Pastor Noah sharing? Come on. I mean, bringing insightful uh, words and doing just a fantastic job. And then last week, Pastor Noah, I get to dovetail off that, um, showing his skill with Mentos and Coke here on stage. And um, I was a little bit with fear and trepidation and but, but the idea that the overarching theme and the idea even from pulling from last week is that a little leaven leavens the whole batch. And, and the idea being that you can't just adopt a little ideology here without it infiltrating the whole thing. And so we're going we're gonna to jump right into this thought this morning. And uh, with the overarching along with that is freedom. Like, like that is the word that you can use for all of the book letter of Galatians is the word freedom. So if you've got a Bible or electronic device, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 24. And I just want to say if I've walked with you recently through any of life's challenges or issues, just know, and this rings close to home for you, that um, I was assigned this text months ago. So it has nothing to do with the current state of anyone's life here, all right? Just so you know. Um, All right, here we go. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 24. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law Now the works of the flesh are evident, and so he lines this out for us. Sexual immorality, should be sex outside of the marriage covenant. Impurity, anything that defiles. Sensuality, another word is debauchery. Uh, Usually a lot of alcohol. Sexuality with no shame, just out in public, doing the wild thing. Idolatry, the worship of anything above God. Sorcery, that root word is pharmacia. Um... And, and it's, it's the, the, the usage of, of anything that would take you out of your sober state of mind to experience something else. Enmity. Um, 
uh, enmity is an interesting word. Uh, hatred or animosity towards a people group or an ethnicity or in our, in our, in our culture. Drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So the Apostle Paul, all in this letter is wanting the people that he led to Christ, that he shared the gospel with, who, who gave the good news to them, the Apostle Paul, wanted them to be free. And so, so here he's writing this letter, um, and he's saying, hey, I'm hearing some things that you believed. Um, it, it's no good news at all. But there's division among you, and so I'm here to address that. And so in this text of Scripture, he addresses and begins to address the idea that, hey, you need to be good stewards of your freedom. Now, freedom, do you think about the word freedom? It's a, it's, it's, it's a wide open space. Freedom. Liberty. Freedom. If, if you, the thing that I think about when I think about freedom, I think, wow, the ability to go and do anything at any time. I, I also think about when I get to swim in the ocean or a large body of water. How many of you guys have ever done that? It's like you're out there, and then you realize, wow, I can go anywhere. I can, it's like, or, or the movement takes me. I mean, I'm not really a, a ocean person per se, but I am definitely awed by the idea that it seems endless. Get in there and whether you're a bobber or a swimmer, you know, get out there and you just realize what's out there in the great expanse. Even in our life, the apostle Paul says you were, you were saved for being a slave to sin. Now you are a slave to righteousness, but in that context, you are free, free to live, to honor God. And the Apostle Paul is saying you need to be a good steward of that. Don't use your occasion in freedom to sin. Use it to love one another. And so he dives into the idea about what it means to love one another. He says you've been called to be free, but don't use your opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another. It's an interesting word. The word here, opportunity, or to indulge in some text, it's really a military word. It means the base of operations or a starting point or, or a pretext or occasion. So what he's really saying is, is right. freedom is your starting point, but don't use that to, to do things that would not honor God. Use them to love one another. If you have to channel your energy, love people. Because you have been captivated by grace, Love people. I, I was thinking about Grace Harvest Church and I was thinking about all the people. And I got to say, you guys do a really good job at loving people. Even beyond what the pastors and elders know, there's stuff happening amongst people, loving people. And the Apostle Paul is highlighting something about the idea to use your freedom to love people. I, I, I think about it like this. If you've ever said the phrase to somebody, and I know what you're going through, probably means that you have experienced a situation similar to that in your life and you now have empathy or sympathy, right? 
And there's something about the idea that when you recognize that you've been saved from in your own life, we have stories all over this room and testimonies of the goodness of God that has radically interrupted and altered the course of people's lives. And you coming out of that know what that former life used to be, right? You know, you know what God has saved you. For some of you, the life that God has saved you out is pretty wild, crazy, broken, And you know what that's like. The Lord is rebuilt and restored and healed and and made new. And some of you, it's been a different story. You've given your life to the things you heard when you were young. And life has been good. God's been good to you. That's a testimony as well. That's a, that's a testimony, the saving grace of God, right? The preservation and his goodness. And so in all of that, our church is full of that story. And the Apostle Paul is writing to say... To the churches in Galatia, we know that that letter was written to them, but it's for us. Hey, use your freedom to love people. Lean into the idea that out of the relationships that you have, love people. Take everything that you are and channel it into serving one another. Don't use your occasion to sin. It's a contrast of life in the flesh versus life in the spirit. So the flesh, the the earthly cravings and desires, it becomes really attached in his letter to following the law versus life in the spirit. And, And so how he contrasts that is the idea that you can follow the law to the letter and it can be empty. You can, you can follow the very rule-keeping things that the, that the law requires and still not have a relationship with God. Just go through the motions. And at the end of the day, you aren't transformed on the inside. And the Apostle Paul is saying, wait a minute. You can't do that and live a life according to how you want. And, and I'm telling you, live in the spirit. You can't do both. You must choose one or the other. In fact, he contrasts that to say, if you do all these things that I've just told you, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Just says that. And he writes all of these behaviors, works of the flesh. You won't inherit the kingdom of God. Now, oftentimes we think when we hear the phrase, the kingdom of God, we think, oh, they're not going to go to heaven. But Jesus said the kingdom of heaven has arrived, and the kingdom of God is in you. And in other words, the apostle Paul is saying this is a contrast of this and that, this and this. You can't behave like this and expect to have the results like this. The Apostle Paul is contrasting. If you want to indulge in the works of the flesh, you're not going to get the fruit of the Spirit. You want to be promiscuous in your sexuality, you are not going to get peace and security. You want to be a liar, you're not going to reap unity. I mean, all those things in tension, the Apostle Paul is contrasting to say, there is a way to live. Do not be deceived. God's not mocked, right? Like, so, so, so here he's appealing to people to say, okay, I'm urging you as a people to love your neighbor as yourself. Live a life of freedom. Lean into the idea 
that you would take that freedom to love people. You ever think about the idea, love your neighbor as yourself? It's a tall order. It's a tall order. So I love me. And you love you, right? You love you. The scripture even says that never, I haven't met a man who hasn't loved himself. Like, like, you love you. Now think about the idea of caring for the other like you love you. Many of you in this church demonstrate that so well. It's, 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 it's so encouraging and such a tall thing to see Christ stand up and people here at Grace Harvest Church. I know some stories of, of sacrificial love amongst people that have like, wow, you cared for them? Wow, you, you love them like yourself. You did that? Wow. Sometimes it's the contrast. Would I have done that? Right? Have you ever thought that? You've ever heard of like this overwhelming generosity or overwhelming care and then think, oh Lord, is that what you mean? Wow, it's in this demonstrated at work that we would love one another like we love ourselves. Serve. Use this occasion for freedom to love one another. He, he, the Apostle Paul also says, watch out. See, the word on the street was there was a lot of division going on in the church in the form of biting one another. Offenses, arguments, divisions, rivalries, all this stuff. And the apostle Paul says, watch out. Because if you keep doing that, eventually you're going to get bit and eaten up. I mean, the, 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 the phrase that he uses actually is like a cannibalistic phrase. Like you will literally get eaten. But, but think about the fruit of that. We're a people that are supposed to be marked by our unity. And if we can't be in peace, what does the world see? I don't want to do that. Why would I join that? Look at them. And the apostle Paul was addressing this idea, hey, watch out. Watch out. If you continue biting one another, it's going to come back around and you're going to get bit. Watch out. Stop that behavior. It puts us as an emphasis and on guard and thinking about, and you know, the real issue that Paul's addressing here is egos. He's addressing egos. He's addressing the church, what he's heard, and, and, and he's addressing people's inability to get along. So he's addressing people who have much complaint about the church when they gather, and so they can't ever seem to find a church together, and the problem is probably you. Galatians, read the book. Contrast it as a mirror. Think about what, what the Lord is asking and what he's saying in that. He's asking for a people to love one another in a way that the world out there doesn't see. It's pretty amazing. And he's addressing right at the core of it this idea that we as a people should be humble enough to think through and to embrace and to recognize that we all walk with a limp. And what I mean by that is that the history that we come out of or our thought process that have been shaped and changed and moved, that, that we all have places that the Holy Spirit has worked in our lives, that we have moved from one place to another and we are now changed, amen? Like this whole thing about this letter is the apostle Paul is writing to change people's minds. If you sit here today and are immovable, 
about your behaviors and ways of thinking, something is wrong. If you're unable to take a mirror to your own heart and mind through the scripture as a reflector, something is wrong. Because the Apostle Paul is writing the whole idea to have people's lives transformed. For them to be able to listen to something and think, oh, that's good. And that applies to me. Oh, I need to take that. I need to change. I need to adjust and watch out. I love this. As I was reading through, I was thinking about even in my own life. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 16 and 17, Peter writes, the apostle Peter writes, live as free men. Do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. You see, Jesus didn't set us free so we could stay the way we were before. He's not an addition to our lives. He takes over our lives. The idea that, that we would just add him to and continue on like nothing has been changed would probably mean that you haven't had an encounter with him in a life-changing way. Jesus is saying, I want all of you. Amen? Like there's a, there's a leaning into that idea. Everything about our life is subject to the leading of the Holy Spirit and what he writes in this book. Jesus came to set us free so we could be different and transformed in the heart and in the mind. He's after all of us, all of us. He's at, he's after transformation. He's also after us following his example. And in John chapter 13, verse 14 and 15, Jesus was talking to the disciples. He said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set an example before you that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus is asking us to live like Christians. He's asking us to serve one another and love one another. He's asking us to, to do the thing, to lay down our own passions, desires, egos, plans, and say, all right, God, what do you have for us? In fact, one, one of the interesting things and one of the, one of the actions that he writes, and we're going to get to it in, 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 a, in a few minutes, is, is this whole idea about, about being able to work together in love. And he covers several behavioral things. He covers jealousy. He covers enmity. And he covers um, uh, envy. And, and when you think about in the context of this gathering, you think about there are so many people here. Like this idea that we would be able to be celebratory about everyone's promotions. Think about this. Like, you know, when you hear somebody, oh, you got a, you got a new job? And then the next question probably is like, how much you making? That's always a tricky question, right? Like you better be prepared for the answer. And that preparation for the answer might be more than you. The celebration. That's amazing. Let's go, right? Like, come on, praise the Lord, hallelujah, do the thing. That's fantastic. My heart rejoices with you. And if it doesn't, you speak it and tell yourself to get in line, right? Like, I'm going to celebrate with you even though my heart, like, oh, I'm working through that, 
right? Come on. You know, it's like, like this is the thing. The, 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 the Apostle Paul is saying, lay down your own pride and ego so that you can love one another like you love yourself. Like you love yourself. Because when, when, when I got the job and I got the promotion, I was excited, man. We're going to have a barbecue that night. It's the same with them. I celebrate with you. Yeah, do the thing, man. Throw the, throw the party. Have the barbecue. Amen? Amen. And so we need to recognize that in this life of freedom that there's a tension and a constant conflict. And that tension is life in the flesh, the passions and desires of the flesh, and life in the spirit. And so the Apostle Paul explains that he wants us to live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of of the flesh. So if you're being led by the Spirit, you're not going to do anything that doesn't honor God. He's, he's appealing to us in our lives. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Do that. Don't do the other thing that doesn't lead to honoring God and living for Him. The appeal is that the works of the flesh is tensioned with the fruit of the spirit. They are opposed to each other. And I want to talk about that for just a minute. Because the apostle Paul writes, he uses a great word works, this thing that we do, we step out to do to, to gratify our fleshly desires. All of the things I read earlier, fornication, sexual immorality, all of the, the conflict words, all of the, the things that we would lean into. And then he tensions fruit of the Spirit, and I just want to talk about fruit for just a minute. How many of you guys have ever observed a fruit tree or a, a fruit-bearing plant? Some of you are experts in that field, so I will try not to embarrass myself. But I have looked at fruit trees, and I think sometimes, like, wow, look how hard that branch is working. I never think that. I always think, wow, look at that branch just hanging there. And then one day... Fruit pops out of it. And you're like, oh. So the branch just has to be connected to the trunk. And it will do the thing it was designed to do. And the Apostle Paul is writing to say, what's going to come out of you is what's in you. Let's rewind to Jesus. Abide in me and I abide in you. Abide in me and I abide in you. If you are a person who's connected to the vine, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit in you, what will come out of you is the fruit of the Spirit. It will, it will just, it's like, oh. It's like Jesus when he encountered the woman at the well. He said, you're gonna, you're gonna pull from this well and you're gonna be thirsty again. But I have water to give you that is going to well up inside of you like a spring of living water over and over and over and over and over. This is, this is the, the life that the Apostle Paul is asking us to live. It's, and it's, it's evident. It's evident. You can see this play out in people's lives. Have you ever thought like you observed somebody do something? You're like, ooh, that wasn't good. Come on, right? 
Like, how many of you guys have ever made determinations about who you're going to hang out with based on how they lived? I mean, this is a natural thing. Like, what you see is what you get, right? Like, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Come on. The Apostle Paul right here is saying, your actions is who you are. It's time to change. It's time to get connected to the vine. It's time to allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. It's time to allow the Lord to begin to change your heart and mind. Right? Some of you are like, oh. Right? It's an appeal. It's an appeal because the Apostle Paul loves people. And he's telling them, be led by the Spirit. Don't be controlled by the flesh. We want to be a people that are led by the Spirit. In the early days of his work towards the truth, Augustine, later known as Saint Augustine, made a prayer. He said, Lord, save me from my sins, but not quite yet. Then sometime after that, he prayed, Lord, save me from all my sins, except one. And then came the final prayer, Lord, Save me from all my sins and save me now. I particularly appreciate that illustration because I think that in, in the journey of life, oftentimes that's how it goes. It, it's oftentimes this, this moving towards and the realization that sometimes we might keep pet things in our closet. And as we grow in the knowledge of God, he begins to illuminate our life and show us those areas and that tension struggle of wanting to honor God and wanting to live a life that's pleasing to him presses us and causes us to want to reveal and be open more and more and more. And so before when we were like, you know, oh, oh man, I, I love what you have for me, God. I, I love Jesus, but man, my life, I really enjoy what I'm doing. But what happens is he begins to change our way of thinking and we begin to realize, oh, I'm reaping the consequences of this from that. I don't like that. That can be changed. And then they begin to pray and like, Lord, take this from me. Change this. I repent. I'm sorry. And more and more we begin to be moved. Watch out. You're being formed into the image of Christ. God's doing something in your life. He is leading you. He's drawing you little bit by little bit. He's, there is a revolution coming in your life. And something is happening that the grace of God is abounding towards you. Amen? And so, the, so recognizing that it's a battle in Romans chapter 7, verse 21 through 25, the apostle Paul writes, So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, Evil is right there with me. For my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. You know, our enemy is cunning. Our enemy knows. 
Our enemy knows our bents and our weaknesses. And so through the reformation of the heart and mind, that is the way that Christ indwells, the Holy Spirit moves and begins to draw. But we need to be aware then that it is this tension. And so the Apostle Paul lays out the acts of the sinful nature. He says are obvious. Are obvious. These aren't secret things. Like These are outward things that you do, and then he lays them out for us, sexual immorality. So anything outside of marriage, sexually, impurity, anything that defiles. So, so even for you, as you live your life, one of the things that you can take measure of, and you know, when you're around, it's like, oh, that didn't sit with me well, or that was gross, or that wasn't pleasing. You know for you that defiled you? Okay, no more. I'm done. I, I, I'm moving away. I'm going to do something different. Debauchery or, or, or sensuality, idolatry, anything over the worship of God, sorcery or witchcraft. The root word is pharmacy. I said this a little bit ago, or the idea that we would use substances to alter sober mind and gain another experience. Hatred, discord. Hatred in the church. Remember, he's writing to Christians about the behaviors of the flesh. Discord, jealousy, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He categorizes these things. They're in categories like there's the sexual sins. Then there's the religious ones, a couple religious ones. Then there's the social sins, all the ones that happen this way with one another. Uh, the, the drinking sins, the, 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 the area that it seems to expand on is the area of, of social interaction. Anything that would target and destroy fellowship, unity, and, and holiness and then he says, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I talked about this just a second ago. Think about this. Like, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. If you were raised in the church, you probably sang a song, something like this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, patience. Nobody. I mean, it's like, it's like this idea that we get, we get trained in the knowledge of God and what to do and what that looks like, what the kingdom of God looks like by the, the fruit of the Spirit, that we need to be a people that pursue that, that we recognize that, that there are enemies of the soul and of unity. Can you imagine enemies? But think about relationships. There are hundreds of people at Grace Harvest Church. And do you think that all relationships are well? I hope so. Probably not. And probably for some of the very reasons right here. I mean, somebody, somebody caused the dissensions. There's a division that erupted. There's, there's a faction that was brewing. So-and-so like so-and-so speaking. Better than me. It's okay. But just remember at the end of the day that we're rooted in unity and the peace of God that transcends all understanding and that we should be able to, to understand that sure, there might be preferences or sure, maybe you like to do it that way or this way, but at the end of the day that we are striving to live like we're gonna prefer one another. Go ahead, do it, say it to me, have your way, do what it is because God is after unity. 
And then that we would understand that humility is a virtue as a Christian. And I didn't get to this first service, but I feel like so much the idea of brokenness and humility is a virtue that we should esteem. You know, it's really easy, easy in, in our culture and in church life to, to elevate or to esteem gifting above character or charisma uh, above a knowledge of God and just a humbleness. But, but I'm going to tell you, when I look through Scripture, I don't very much see an elevation of gifting over character. And, and there, there are many people in this church that have their lives are marked by the gospel and the grace of God and their character. And those are people that should be, we should listen to them, elevate, think about, that we, we walk in unity with, that, that brokenness and humbleness. If we See, there's something about the idea that when we know where we've come from and we know how far we've come, glory be to God, right? And if, I, and if I'm always reminded at the idea as though maybe my past was a previous injury in my body and I've been healed on the inside, but I know I'm a little tender in that area. And so I'm, I'm walking and I'm just aware. I'm just aware, Lord, I'm so grateful that you saved me from that. I, I, have, my, I have my own journey. I have my own story. I, I say something like this regularly, man. If, I, if, if the Lord wouldn't have radically saved and altered me, I would have followed the very journey that's been laid out probably in my family before me because there was no other way. But I recognize what God has saved me from. Amen. And when I walk, I'm reminded. And in that space, I want to make sure that I stay open and humble about that. I'm no better than you. Amen. I just have a different gifting or calling. And when I see certain things that are familiar to me because I've been there, my heart, and it's the Lord's like, you recognize that. Go, do that. You recognize, you've been there. Go talk to him. Just like many of you, you have a story. That's your testimony. That's the leading of God. That's the thing that we lean into, this idea that we are people who are broken and should be humble at the idea that God have your way in my life and in other people's lives. It, it's a discipline, really. The discipline to yield, give others the platform, the discipline to step aside. Hey, you, 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 can, you can go before me. The discipline to, to see the tension and realize, you know what? It's okay. Go ahead and have it. God's big. He'll provide. He'll do the thing. He'll come through. See, discipline is central to our success and it guards us against temptations and mistakes. In the practical, it helps us to avoid malpractice that can destroy our faith. And what I mean by that is this. If we're Christians and we allow ourselves to make a mockery of the grace of God and live in the flesh and gratify the passions and desires of the flesh, and we don't live in the spirit, what we do is we begin to make ourselves numb to the grace of God and the leading of God's presence in our lives. And if you do that long enough, 
Scripture says you can shipwreck your faith. And oftentimes that shipwrecking comes in disappointment, in disillusionment, rooted in bad behavior. Not always, but often. I just lived my life, did the thing. God didn't seem to be any different than anything else. Well, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's not what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to lean in to him with the freedom that he's given us. He's asking to practice this idea Psalms 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. So we need to be able to practice yielding to God and saying no to sin. Paul Paul contrasts that again over and over and over, especially when he tells us, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, There is no law. I got to tell you, our church is full of people who practice that. You ever ever think about the fruit, though? If if you're looking at a branch from an apple tree, do you expect cherries? No, it's just practical, right? It's practical. Like, if you're looking at a grapevine, do you expect pomegranates? You might want pomegranates, but no, you don't. You you naturally expect what it's rooted in and grafted into. Same thing with Christians. The encounters that we have with other Christians, we expect a Christian encounter. Am I right? Right, right? You're trusting. When I walk up to somebody or have a relationship, I'm trusting that I have an encounter that is this way. Why? Christian fruit of the spirit and you ever notice that those branches produce the fruit after its kind and fruit just happens and the apostle paul is saying fruit of the spirit in your life that there's this thing that should well up inside of you and that fruit should just come out of you think about this joy love peace patience kindness have you have you ever met a mean christian You're wondering, like, is that the fruit of the Spirit? I don't want to hang out with you. Like, you were mean. Or what about somebody who displays the inability to have self-control? It's like, man, you're given to all kinds of... Stop! Like, oh, that's not a fruit of the Spirit. Something, something's happening here. It doesn't line up. Or what about Faithfulness faithfulness. Come on, you, you're going you're gonna to keep your word and you're going to stand with and you're going to endure. And so when you don't see those attributes, it's kind of a head scratcher. What was really inside? This fruit, right? It's, a, it's supposed to just come out of you. Like this is the thing. Or gentleness. I got to tell you that many people in this church have been such a uh, example of gentleness to me in my life. I, I, have, I have conversations and, and observations of life, and I have seen Christians here that have been so gentle with me over my journey and relationship with them. And, and I want to tell you, if, if that's you, and you've been gentle with me, I thank you. Like, that's the fruit of the Spirit coming out of you. Sometimes I look at my own life and I think, you're a bull in the china closet. You are, there's nothing gentle about you, right? Lord, help me. Help me. Let, let that be a thing that just 
comes out of me. Peace. Some of you here in this place, like peace just, it's like a river that flows out of you. Like the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, it's just peace. You just know. You just have a sense. You're not going to be anxious. You're not anxious about it. And it's like, okay, Lord, you got this. Trust peace. You're going to lean into that. And that's a fruit of the Spirit that comes out of you. Apostle Paul says that is a, a harvest of virtues, that this thing that we lean into is good fruit in our lives. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires as a, as a pastor walking with people. A question that I regularly ask people who seem not to be able to display fruits of the Spirit and who seem to lean their life into evil passions and desires, I just have one question for you first. Are you a Christian? Let's start there. I, I know you've been here for years. I know you've been around, but are you a Christian? Because second, let's pray for the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's, let, let's work this through. Let's bring this full circle here. Let's like, come on, something about laying down and leaning into that we would say. And I'm here to tell you that oftentimes it's a lifelong struggle that we recognize this tension. That, that within us, that we are on a journey of being transformed by the grace of God in our heart and in our mind and in our thinking. Every now and then we're surprised by what pops up in us. Like even though we feel like we're on a journey, man, I've arrived. I'm so righteous. Things are great. Man, I've lived the Lord for so many years. I'm not saying this about me. I'm just saying sometimes you can get caught up in that thought like, oh man, it's been good. And then you have a conversation with something and it's like, ooh. What just happened here? I got an arrow. How strange. Okay, but it left its poison. And then you realize, wait a minute. That was low down, scoty dodes. What'd they do to me here? I'm sick. And then all of a sudden you thought, man, I, I don't want to be around them. They're going to treat me that way. I don't want nothing to do with them. I'm not going to sit next to them in church anymore. I'm going to sit across from them. And before you know it, before you know it, a root of bitterness or offense takes place and it begins to grow in your heart. Am I the only one? Come on, like, like you think you're like, I'm doing good with God and then all of that out of the blue, you get like, whoa, what's happened? And maybe unmet expectations or somebody didn't keep their word or whatever. It changed. Something happened. Maybe it was something that was done to you or said to you and, and all of a sudden, the enemy just kind of likes to you know, feed that, or you talk to the next person, like, oh, yeah, that was, that was pretty dirty. They did that to you. And before you know it, a root of bitterness, and it begins to grow. I got a little story about that, and then we'll wrap up here. On my first Philippines trip, I went with Pastor Doug and Dave and a couple other people. After my resistance to traveling for a long time, and I got to go with him, and on one of the stops, we were at a pastor's conference, and so this is like for pastors in Solano. And I remember being a part of the prayer team ministry, and, and uh, so I'm standing up like we do prayer team ministries here, and I was off on the side, and, and a pastor comes up walking with a cane, and his wife is helping him, and, uh, and I'm standing there, and I said, oh, you know, I want to pray. He's like, I need prayer. It's all he said. And I said, okay, can I put my hand on you? 
shoulder, yes. So I put my hand on his chest, hand on his shoulder, and immediately the Lord showed me he has a root of bitterness. I don't know anything about this guy. And now I'm supposed to tell him, you're bitter. Like, you're sick. It's making you physically sick. So I did. I said, you have a root of bitterness. It's making you physically sick. He went, oh, God. Turned around right then and walked out of the, of the service. The next morning, 9 a.m., I see him walking in without a cane. And he said, Pastor, I want to tell you something. When you said that to me, I immediately knew what was wrong, and I had to fix it. He said, 20 years ago, I came to the Philippines to plant a church with my friend. And the church was growing and thriving and getting big. And then one night after a church service, I went back to the office or the main, and my friend was there with some people. And they said, stop, you're no longer welcome here. We don't need you as a pastor. I've got this. And he was rejected, turned away this church that he had labored with to grow. They had turned away from him. And so he left and moved to another part of the area and started a, a church there as well. And he said, 20 years. Just imagine 20 years. And over the course of 20 years, he's been getting sicker and sicker and sicker. Now, that was a supernatural thing when I laid out Hannah. So, so that night, he left the church, got on his motorcycle with, with his wife, drove to the church. It's 2 a.m. when he arrived, knocked on the door. His friend came to the door. It's like they were just, they saw one another. First words out of his mouth, I forgive you. I'm so sorry for broken relationship. I let it get away. They cried, they hugged, they talked for a little bit. He got back on his motorcycle and rode home. His wife said that when he laid down on the bed, she heard the largest back cracking pops ever she'd ever heard in her life. And he yelled out, ah! And he jumped out of bed, and when he jumped out of bed, he was like a young man, no need of the cane. Now, now I'm not here to say that bitterness will affect you the same way, but I can tell you that every bitter person I've ever met, it's been foul. And, and what they emit and what ha what's happened to them, a hardened heart. And so the Apostle Paul is after something with the encouragement that we would be a people who would be sober-minded, filled with the Spirit, loving one another, and walking to obey the Lord. It's for your benefit, amen? And for the kingdom of God. That that's, the, that's the beacon to an outside world that sees those people love each other. Those people do the thing. Those people, and I can tell you that right here in this room, it comes in much variety, you all have a voice, you all have a way, you all have a story that, that speaks to people. And I want to encourage you, use your freedom to love one another in the grace of God, amen?